This episode of Hong Comedy Writing is brought to you by HBO on Amazon. What if I told you we could combine your love for premium cable with your dependence on online shopping? I bet you'd go pretty crazy. Well, time to go fucking nuts, because now we can. An HBO subscription includes instant streaming of unlimited access to addictive dramas, hilarious comedies, movies, and so much more. Fans of this show will love watching Veep, Silicon Valley, Mr. Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is back and I, I've been enjoying. I think it's doing okay. I think I think some older episodes are better, but this is certainly still good. I love Curb. Uh, <laughs> I like how I put my review of Curb into this HBO on Amazon ad. They actually, Curb filmed right outside my apartment in LA like seven months ago, so I can't wait to see the outside of my apartment in the show. Uh, you know, this should be an ad for Curb. I wouldn't have said it was okay. I would have said it. Anyway, Amazon is offering a free seven-day trial for HBO, and you can get it by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash Amazon HBO. After the trial, you get unlimited access to anything on HBO for just $14.99 a month. That's a good deal for HBO. My parents pay for HBO, and I assume they're paying more than that. Once again, get your seven-day free trial for HBO by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash Amazon HBO. It's not TV. It's HBO which is brought to you by Amazon. This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. On comedy writing, on comedy writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson. We've got a great episode, but first, the best way to support this show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash oncomedywriting. Click the Support Our Artist button and shop on Amazon like you normally would, and I get a little kickback. Our guest this week is Streeter Seidel, who you know from being a writer, performer, and editor-in-chief at College Humor, and writing for Saturday Night Live the past four seasons. I was a massive College Humor fan back in the day, watched Hardly Working all the time, so this was a real treat for me. If you like this interview, check out the ones with Jenny Jaffe from College Humor and Nick Rutherford and Allison Rich from SNL. So here is Streeter Seidel. Uh, Streeter, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, man. Uh, where are you uh, from originally? Connecticut. Okay, cool. Just down the road. I went to uh, I went to school in Connecticut, actually. I went to oh, yeah? uh, Quinnipiac. Oh, really? My mom yeah. used to teach there. Oh, really? What'd you teach? She's a public speaking professor. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's cool. What was growing up in Connecticut like? You know, pretty standard, I would say. Yeah. Just not not a not a ton to do. We made our own fun. Yeah. But it's a nice little uh, pleasant place to grow up. If you're looking to grow up somewhere, you know? <laughs> you uh, could do worse. What, wait, what part of Connecticut? Uh, from near near New Haven, a town called Madison. Oh, okay, cool. Did you go to Did you go to Toads ever? I did. I played at Toads. Oh, like you played in like, high school. Oh, yeah, that's with like my battle, band. Battle the bands or something. Yeah, we played a couple shows there with a few different bands. My friend, my friends were in like a really good band, and I would go see them at Toads all the time. And we would they would give us beer when we were like. 15 they would just like drop beer off in the green room because i think that's just their standard procedure at that time like you know bands are here they just give them like a case of beer or something but we were all very much children right and it was great but the shitty thing is 
at least I don't know if they still do this. It used to be <laughs> like we would play shows there and there was a full, there was a net, like just a big net that they would put up across the, like down the middle of the club, in the middle of the stage, running all the way from the front to the back of the room to separate the like under 18 side. Oh, from, wow. From, or I guess like if you were 18, you were allowed to be in the bar side, but you couldn't drink. But if you were under 18, you couldn't even go to the bar side. So like our shows, we would play and the under 18 side would be like packed with like all our friends and stuff and like you know kids from our schools and and then the, like over 18 side there was like five people in it was so weird it was not a great setup right it's terrible for like uh for like battle of bands it's awful yeah and i was a drummer so like i was the way they set it up was like they put their drummer like on the side of the stage not like the headline act the drummer would be behind them but just like for the openers which we always were they would put the drummer like you know, in line with everyone else. And I was, so I was like on the over 18 side, so far away from everyone. It was really weird. Toads. Um, cause like by the time I went to Toads, it was like already like on the downslope. Is it, is it on the downslope? Is it gone? No, it's still there, but it's kind of like, it's like very, it's like not like it, it, the Ramones played there, which is like, I mean, to- make no mistake about it. Toads was always a shithole. Right. Like, I played there 20 years ago, I guess, and it was... God, is it really 20 years ago? I guess it's about <laughs> 20 years ago when I started playing there. And it was a dump even then. I mean, right. they like they would be like, the Rolling Stones opened a <laughs> tour here and stuff. But that was like, I think that was a like an outlier. <laughs> I don't think they were normally booking like huge acts. The, the the Ramones were there, played there. I mean, you look at all the names there, and it's very impressive. And now it's just like, like a DJ just doing like a Saturday night most most of the time. Oh, is that yeah? That makes sense. Yeah, they gotta make that money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that place is. Cr- I mean, I loved it. To me, that was like the ultimate place to be. It was yeah. like, I've been at Toad's place <laughs> in New Haven, the big city. <laughs> Were you, uh, were you into comedy at a young age? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wasn't, like, into it. It Like, again, Connecticut, there's no comedy scene right. at all. Um, now there's, like, with, with the casinos, there's, like, a, you know, they'll get comedians and stuff. But, <clears throat> and there's a couple clubs, but there was no, like, comedy to go see. But I was into, like, stand-up tapes. When I was a young man, they were oh, tapes, and like I just like watching, like every kid, love watching comedy, mm-hmm. uh, like Simpsons and and that kind of stuff. What uh, what standups did you like growing up? You know, the first like standup I remember hearing and thinking was so funny was Dennis Leary, oh, okay. No Cure for Cancer. Like my uncle like brought it on some family vacation, and it was. And all the kids weren't allowed to listen to it, but my dad was like, all right, you're old enough, you can listen to it. And I thought it was so funny. Like, that there was a song called, like, I'm an Asshole. Right. Or whatever. I was just like, that's genius. <laughs> I, I've never heard anything like this. And I was just crying laughing to it. Just the best. I don't know. I have, probably haven't listened to it since. It's <laughs> I, it's probably not as good as I remember. I I prefer to remember it being great, right? 
And also, like, you know, coming to know, like, Dennis Leary is not really a stand-up. He just kind of, he was, like, an actor who did that. And, um, you know, like, it was more of, like, kind of like a storyteller, I guess. Anyway, that was the first thing, I, first stand-up I, like, actually remember listening to. And then, but then Comedy Central came out. And then, so I was just watching, like, old, you know, like, Eddie Murphy, like, concerts and, and stuff like that. And got more and more into it. Did, did you uh, start, like, doing any, like, comedy stuff, like, in high school at all? I guess a little bit. Like, I hosted a, a lip sync event when I was a junior and, and senior. We, like, put it together. We came up with it much before the TV show, might I right. add. <laughs> Good 20 years ago, we were, we were doing the lip sync thing at my high school. And you just need to get John Krasinski to do it. I know. He was, he you know, I didn't know him then. I still don't know him now. <laughs> um, but I hosted that and, like, did, I guess, kind of stand up a little. Like, my friend and I basically did bits in between each act. Um, and then I, like, spoke at, at our graduation and gave us, you know, what I considered at the time a very funny speech. Which I'm sure is not very funny. <laughs> so there was like a little bit of that going on, but I never really was thinking of it as as like, oh, this is what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Where did you go to college? Fordham. Okay. Up in the Bronx. Were you, did you? Uh, what did you major in? What did I? Communications. Okay. Yeah, communications, and then. I had a creative writing minor, mm-hmm. but it was, I, I was, I didn't like college. I'm not, I wasn't good at it. I was like, by the, truly by like the middle of my freshman year, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Oh, really? I'm just like not into it. Did you drop out? No, I finished. Oh, I wasn't, wow. I was too afraid of my parents to drop out and they were very, I mean, they did the best thing ever and paid for my college mm-hmm. just, uh, which still I'll never be able to pay them back for because just watching you know, my wife and friends and stuff coming out of school with debt and having to deal with that. Right. I was like, oh, I'm just free and clear right now, you know? Um, so I couldn't, I, I really, <laughs> even if, if at times I was like, I hate this and I don't want to do this anymore, I was like, but parents are paying for it, so you might as well just. Right. It's not like it was, it's not like it was the worst thing in the world. I just like, by the time I got to the city and figured out what I wanted to do, I didn't want to go to like German class anymore. You know, it all seemed like a waste of time, like taking these like math classes. I'm like, Oh, what am I, why am I doing this? (laughs) I'm not not good at this. I'm not going to be a mathematician, whatever. Um, so yeah. So what, what made you figure out what you wanted to do? I started doing stand up when I, well, I started writing for like this, one of the school papers. There was like mm-hmm. two, and my roommate, one of my roommates wrote for like the kind of student run one that was like the cool one, I guess. It was the one that where they would like push the boundaries or whatever. And he was like, you should write some like comedy stuff for it. So I started doing that, and then I started doing stand up. So they would do like edgy journalism? Yeah, like but advice? Not, not, advice? Yeah, like I imagined that everyone sort of, they thought of themselves as a very vice. <laughs> and they were definitely the group of people who knew what vice was at that right. time. Like they were probably the ones who, you know, were like when vice was. Uh, just coming to New York, probably were all over it and like 
my roommate was ve- he was very cool he like knew about like the fader i remember him being like yo there's this band the strokes and we were like what and he's like check them out they're cool <laughs> like it's like from a movie yeah i think he writes for vanity fair now i think he's like a oh. cultural kind of that kind of dude you know who mm-hmm. just like kind of knows the next cool thing all the time clearly that's not me um <laughs> but that i they i was able to write some like goofy stuff there and do some stand-up and i was like okay i think maybe comedy maybe that's a thing you can do do, do you uh remember any of the, like the stuff you wrote for the paper not really i'm sure it was all just like very uh fordham based comedy or like that you know college based stuff i honestly don't remember mm-hmm. like i remember some like early stuff i wrote for college humor which was also all kind of college college st- you know kind mm-hmm. of material um but one thing i'm sure of is that it was not good <laughs> i'll guarantee it <laughs> uh is, is doing that how you got involved with college humor yeah, kind of. I mean, I, 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 I think I was a junior, and I was, I had done, I had gone study abroad, and which was great, and it kind of like got me through the rest of college because I was so done with school, and then I did study abroad, and I like had this great experience and met all these like new people, and was kind of like, oh, this is fun again. So it kind of got me to the end of my senior year, but I, I was back from that, and. Um, and I was just like up super late one night with nothing to do. And someone sent me a link to like a video of, a, of these kids at UConn burning a car because they had won the NCAA championship and they were they had burned a car, you know, to celebrate as, yeah. you, as one does when you win. And uh, my friend was like, I'm in this video. Look, I'm in the background. It was on College Humor, and I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And so then I was just kind of clicking around the site, and then I just emailed. I was like, oh, maybe I can like write for this thing. This seems kind of cool. And I emailed the editor, and I sent him a bunch of the stuff I'd written for that paper. And he like, wrote me back and was like, yeah, man, write a, you write a column for us. And that was that. That's crazy. That like, that, that seems like that's like impossible today to find that. You know. I don't think it is. Yeah. I think I think I think what I did was stupid. That's like not the way you're supposed right, to yeah, do yeah. things. You know, you're supposed to like. I'm sure there's there's more kind of formal ways to do things, but um, I think every website, especially ones that are just kind of starting out like that, are just right, looking yeah, yeah. for anyone who's willing to do stuff. And uh, I was willing to do it for free. I was already doing it anyway. And so I just kind of threw myself into it where I was like, I'm not into college that much. I'm not like into this, the party scene here, the bar scene. I'd rather just spend the time writing these things and putting them online. And like, there was even some light feedback. It was before comments existed. This is how long ago this was. There weren't comments on stuff. So, but people would like email you and uh, it was fun. It was great. Uh, so you were doing that while still in college? Yeah, my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. I was writing for that website. And then um, and then they, like, it was very serendipitous. Like, it just, I just picked the right company at the right time. You know, like, a lot of it was just 
good luck because they had moved the company to New York where I was and they were getting big enough that they wanted to hire some people and they wanted to, uh, they had sold like a book deal, you know? So mm-hmm. they were like, we need people to write a book. Do you want to come do that? And that's when I met all the other like stage one college humor right. people. <laughs> um, the summer after I graduated, we just like started writing this book and did that for the summer. It was a great, great summer job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was fun. So what was that, like, for writing that book? Because it was a bunch of people, like, I assume you guys were all, like, around the same age. Yeah, we were all 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, one or two people were 24. Mm-hmm. Like the, the guys who started College Humor were all a little older. They were, like, 24 at the time, um, which is crazy to me now, thinking right. about, like, a group of 24-year-olds with this multi-million dollar company and, like, you know, employees, right. which is just nuts. It's insane. But, um, yeah, I met Amir uh, Blumenfeld and Sarah Schneider, um, another guy, Ethan Trex, uh, and Jeff Rubin. We all they, we were all kind of at the same time. And you guys all like, click immediately with, with that book? I definitely, Sarah, I remember Sarah and I got along really well. Right, We kind of, like, lined up humor-wise on a lot of things. Um and uh, Amir and Ethan lined up. Amir's like a little, Amir takes a while to get to know. So I remember the first like six months or so that I knew Amir, I felt like, I don't really know who this guy is. He's not, he's like, he's he's always kind of on and, and like doing bits and stuff, which is fun, but like takes a while to kind of crack through that and be like, oh, okay, I know who this dude is now. Uh, but yeah. And, and that was still a time when college humor was a lot of, like, uh, I guess, like, aggregation of stuff, right? A lot of, yeah. like, uh, videos and, like, hot, like, hot girls and stuff. Tons of hot girls. It was, I would say, probably mostly hot girls. Right. That was the kind of, was the main traffic driver. Uh, and then there was funny pictures and then i mean nobody made videos so it was just because watching videos online at that point was such a nightmare like you needed like a really good internet connection and you had to download them like which could take a while uh flash video had just kind of started to come out um so you know it was a lot of like viral videos uh, mostly funny pictures and then articles um, and then, like, as it went on, the the hot girl piece of it just started getting smaller and smaller and then just vanished. Yeah, what, what prompted that? I think just, comp- you know, advertiser growth and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it was just like, you know, there's a certain kind of advertiser you can get when you have, you know, naked girls on your website. But if you want to support a staff... You know, that kind of advertiser, which is like beer pong tables or like, you know, that they're not, you know, like Coca-Cola is not going to put their brand next to that kind of stuff. And um, I remember thinking at the time being like, this sucks. Like, not like I was like, ooh, hot girls. There's plenty of places to see hot girls on the Internet, you know, but it was more like, oh, I don't want this like these corporate you know, this, like, corporate culture is, like, seeping into this cool thing we have. 
um, which was the wrong, which was the wrong stance to take. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the wrong stance. I, as a grown up, I know that now. Should have been like, yeah, get rid of this crap. Let's just do the comedy <laughs> stuff. I think I was worried that like, since that was the main traffic driver there, it was like, oh, if we get rid of all that kind of like hot girl stuff, is anyone going to stick around and read these funny articles? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see how the internet was changing at that time and then you know when you start making videos all of a sudden it's like oh this is a totally different environment like overnight it felt like well yeah what prompted that move to start doing videos i just remember our the founder of college humor ricky van veen came in one day and he just went we're gonna make our own videos and you guys are gonna be in them and that was that it was like and then it, it was so obvious. It was like, oh, yeah, we should do that. Right. Why not? Um, it was such a smart move at that time because the sites that we were competing with who didn't start doing that became kind of like dinosaurs, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they just didn't catch that wave and and they kind of stayed what they were, which is just like aggregators of nonsense, <laughs> you know, which then got replaced by like reddit and, and dig right. when dig came out that was like a big thing and reddit and that you know and now like facebook and instagram pretty much it's funny too because those, those videos i mean it's like pre-youtube but you guys are kind of like youtube celebrities in a sense yeah we like, get the same like personality type thing <laughs> it was like i think we're i always compared it to we're like the first people who had tv shows like <laughs> Those very first TV stars didn't make any money. <laughs> like, everybody watched them, but they, like, the business model wasn't there yet, and no one quite understood how big a thing TV was going to be. So they were just kind of doing whatever they did on the radio. They were just doing it on TV. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure they must have been so salty as they just watched, you know, 10 years later, like, People do the same thing they were doing, but like make millions of dollars and become huge celebrities. Um, so, but I mean, you can't complain. I, I basically, when I'm th- all through my 20s, I got to just have fun with my friends and, and make comedy, and someone gave me a check for it. So it was pretty great. Since, since those were kind of like, like today we know what like an online sketch video looks like, but what was like, what were like the first videos you guys are making? Were they like, similar to what's today or completely different the first ones we made were kind of long i remember they were like 15 minute long episodes and they had multiple little like vignettes and um we we didn't quite know like what because no one was making internet videos so no one like knew kind of what people would watch and i guess we were just thinking like oh well we'll make instead of putting out you know eight little videos will make like one big one and we did maybe like five or six of those before it became clear that like oh we should just do sketches Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be wrapped in a larger thing just because the internet wasn't ready for that yet it is now i think you could make you know a 15 minute thing and people would watch it and it it would be cool but at the time it was like you know, three minutes was our, we learned was like our sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And that kind of lends itself to sketch pretty well. 
When did you start feeling you had like a handle on it? In terms of making videos? I never felt like we did. We just kind of were doing what made us laugh. And I mean, (laughs) Sarah Schneider and I, when she was at SNL, sometimes we would go back and just watch old videos we made at College Humor and be like, these are such garbage. They're so bad. So many of them are just awful. Awful, awful. But, you know, just like probably like those first TV shows, like you obviously get better as you go. Um, And we didn't know what we were doing at all. So we were just kind of making it up and and having a good time, which is going to lead to some true trash. (laughs) Uh, But there, I think, you know, as we got more serious about it and, you know, we got hired really talented people to come in direct and, and, uh, you know, good editors and and solid crews and got good lighting and, uh, it felt a little bit more like, okay, I think, I guess we kind of have a feel for, we, we, we had a feel for what our audience was into, whether or not that makes it good is another question, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And and you later became uh, editor in chief at College Humor. Yeah. Uh, How how did that happen? I think I just hung around long enough. And I think, I think uh, the founder, Ricky, who was editor-in-chief, I think he just was interested in doing other stuff, bigger stuff, making TV shows and working on bigger deals and, and things like that. And uh, I was just there and was like, I'll edit the website. Sure, it'll be fun. Were, were you mostly uh, focusing on articles or was like the whole, the whole thing? It was like articles, you know... The, Articles, pictures, like all the aggregate stuff, features, um, kind of like trying to make a, give the site like a voice in a way, you know, because the college thing kind of got played by that point. Like we were all out of college for a while and it just felt very, it started to feel very limiting, you know, like there's only so many jokes you can make about college. So, um, trying to like turn the site towards something a little more broad uh like mass appeal without losing you know the edge that i thought Mm -hmm. made it fun and also just giving it like a distinct look i felt was important at the time just because people would rip your stuff and post it all over the place so it was like you know we had some great illustrators and it was like even if people steal this stuff and, and you know, post it on Reddit or wherever, on Tumblr, and it, people will know at least that it came from here, you know, right. if, it, if it has all the same kind of look. Like, if you if you put up a New Yorker cartoon anywhere, like, people know that it's a New Yorker cartoon. Mm-hmm. It just has this, like, look and, and style and voice to it. When, when you would get, like, um, freelance submissions for, like, the articles, uh, what would you, like, look for in those? I mean, just something that would make me laugh, yeah. I guess. Uh, something original, funny. Mm-hmm. Like someone who, who had... Uh, someone who was kind of doing their own thing, you know, a little bit. Like, not just giving us what we what they thought we wanted to read, you know? Or, like, copying what we were doing already. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were kind of just looking for original voices. Or, even better someone who was just down to work that was like you know as i was hiring people i always valued someone who was like maybe i'm not the funniest person in the world but i'll 
I will just I'll work. You know, I'll put in the hours and I'll I'll work on it and get better and better. Um, which because I mean the whole internet is basically a quantity game. Right. It's, it's just like you need to be putting out stuff all the time, constantly, and and as great as it is to have some incredible genius like putting out one thing a month that you can't get by on that you know you need people who are going to like pump out three things a day when you're a small company and you're trying to compete what are like the hallmarks of a good college humor sketch would you say like compared to like say you're playing your dive sketch or anything else i remember we always kind of prided ourselves on not having famous people because funnier die just got a lot of attention for what we felt like at the time was just like oh cool there's a famous person in it who cares you know like we were getting the same traffic more traffic with literally eight random kids in New York (laughs) you know Um, I don't know that we ever I mean I'm sure what they are now is very different than what we were doing but I like to do weird characters I always thought that was funny Um, you know Sometimes we would try to make, we would kind of make the sketches that I can't stand now when I see them, which are kind of like clever in a way. I remember being very like, oh, this is clever. This is fun. And the internet kind of runs on clever things, you know, that maybe aren't necessarily funny. They're just kind of like good observations or like. Do you remember an example from something? Um, one I wrote was, and this one actually is funny, I think. I wrote this one called uh, If Google Was a Guy. And it was just oh, yeah. Brian Husky as playing Google and people would ask him stuff in like the way you type things in, into Google. And that one actually was funny, but that was definitely a more like, like kind of like winky, like, oh, isn't that kind of clever? Can you imagine if this were a thing? <laughs> But now I, I get so annoyed when I see those. <laughs> Maybe because I I feel like I made so many of them that I'm like, ugh, I don't like those anymore. Uh, and, and you guys had the uh, the college humor uh, show on MTV. We did. What, what, what Very was, briefly. What was like the process behind that? Man, that was a straight up mess. That yeah. was a straight up mess. Nobody knew what they were doing. It... It's not very good. <laughs> I mean, I might even call it bad. It had moments that were funny and like, you know, but it it was just, it was a nightmare. It, like we, it well, I mean, it was cool. We were all so excited. You know, you're like 25 or whatever. And if you're my age, you kind of grew up with MTV. And so just to like have a show on MTV was mind blowing. Um, but we still had to do our normal job. So like, and try to write this show and we made like true garbage money I mean barely any money on it at all Uh, I mean sub sub five figures I would say for six episodes of a TV show oh wow I mean real almost criminal where you're like that would never go down now like not a chance any company would take the risk of like not paying people like that um and then so it was like and then MTV I remember being very like back and forth on the idea originally it was going to be fully scripted and then they were like oh but you know we wanted we want to show some of the like sketches you guys 
did too. So then we kind of had to like write in sort of throws to sketches that were already on the site. And it just was like this hodgepodgey kind of mess in the end. I remember watching the first one with everybody and like after at least I felt like oh that kind of (laughs) sucked it was like I mean that's cool cool we have a show on but it really kind of sucked in a way it was not very good Uh, and I don't think anyone's really to blame for any of it it was just we didn't have a strong guiding mentor like we needed someone who had made a great show to come in and fight with the network for us and and say like no we're not either we're going to do a sketch show or we're going to do a scripted show. We're not doing this weird in-between thing, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, we would have been happy to do either one. Uh, but I, it just... I think it was a good learning experience in how not to make a TV show <laughs> if you're if you're a website. So you'd say the difficulties are kind of in the, in the concept more than anything else? I mean, the concept was the root problem. And then on top of that, nobody knew how to make a TV show. Yeah. Uh, you know nobody knew how to write a TV show we didn't really and we were trying to do like keep the regular work of the website going which was at that point had become like a true full time job like there was just a lot of employees and and, you know like ad sales deals to manage and a video release schedule to be on top of and you're trying to like write and film this thing um, and then just accommodating eight people of varying levels of acting ability, mine being not great, uh, and trying to make sure everybody had like a moment. I think we just needed like what we needed was a we needed a showrunner who who had the ability and, and, and the skills to tell us no and also tell the network no and kind of just you know create something good uh but i'm like not i'm not mad we did it it was Mm -hmm. great it was it was cool and it was really fun and um it would have been cool if it were good too but we're definitely not the uh first people to make a garbage tv show uh and you guys uh all worked there for so long at what point did it seem like it was time to kind of go somewhere else um I think people started getting picked off in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, at that point, I mean, you know, failed MTV show aside, the site and the people involved with it had gotten to a somewhat notable level, like like a small level of fame, I would say. Um, And we, you know, we had been in New York and in the, like, New York comedy community for like seven years, eight years and made friends and, and people just started getting picked off. I think Sarah was the first to go, uh, over to SNL. And that was like a huge, just like a tidal wave going through the company. It was like, Oh my God, Sarah, (laughs) our Sarah is going to work there. And, uh, and then, you know, people just started getting ambitious to do other things. And, the site up to that point had been growing and kind of accommodating people's um, 
growing ambition. So it was like when we started wanting to make videos, they were like, yeah, let's make videos, you know. Um, when we started wanting to do TV shows, they were like, okay, we're going to do TV shows. And then it kind of plateaued for a while. And the focus became more about like maintaining and not losing money because there had been this like giant boom in content. And then like, I think a lot, a lot of companies just went bankrupt and blew all their money on videos. And so everyone kind of tightened the belt a little bit. Um, unfortunately it was at the time when a lot of the original creative staff were, were kind of feeling like, you know, I want to do more than yeah, we had already done the show and Amir and I had done this like clip show on MTV for years. And, so we had had these kind of experiences uh, of making bigger things, and then, you know, if we had, if the site had been able to keep doing that for us, I think everyone probably would have stayed for a lot longer. Um, but at that point, it just <clears throat> it just wasn't happening anymore. So uh, people started to leave, and and then they were going to move. They split the video piece off from the editorial piece and they're <clears throat> they're moving the video team to LA and I was just like I, that to me felt like kneecapping the company and I was like uh, the whole the way it had always run was just people moving up through the kind of system it was like a right. conveyor belt it was like people come in as interns and then they would write articles and then they'd work on a section and then they would start being in some videos and then they would become like a cast member in the videos and it worked really well and it kept like the site going and um, it kept new kind of talent coming into it. And when they were going to split it off, I just was like, I'm not, I'm just not interested in being part of this anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I got, I definitely immediately lost interest and it was sad because I'd been there eight years and like, you know, I'm still good friends with a bunch of people there, but I just felt like the uh, the company I joined when I was 22, which was a, a truly insane just group of idiots partying constantly, having a great time, like making fun stuff. It had become very businessy, <laughs> as companies do as they get older, you know. Um, but I just kind of wasn't I wasn't ready to just be like a manager of a of a creative team trying to hit like page view goals and stuff. I was like, right. I still want to do funny thing. I still want to write funny things. And so time to roll. <laughs> and that's what I did very stupidly. Just was like, uh, with no backup plan, just said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. I think I, I think they let me like work part time for a while to like train, uh, the next editor, you know? But uh, but it was very dumb, a very dumb move to quit before you kind of know what you're what you're gonna do right. next. It's um, it's tough because like, <clears throat> it feels like digital comedy is really like in a bad place right now. Like it seems like is it? I have no idea. Yeah, I feel like, there's, like, <laughs> there's, like it seems like there's like no money in it for anybody. I have like kind of avoided internet comedy for years now. I mean, I'll obviously watch sketches and stuff, but like. I tr I was I had been so deep in the trenches with it for so long that I was like I must I need to like remove myself right. from this world because it's relentless man mm -hmm. it's just like it's endless and nonstop mm -hmm. I don't know if it's in a bad place I imagine it's in a 
better place because more people are doing it. Is that not true? Well, I think more. Well, I don't. Know, I had Matt Kleinman on, and mm-hmm. uh, he was like a Onion head writer, and he was talking about how like well, Funnier Die like they closed their like New York branch. Everyone closed their New York right thing. <laughs> And then, like, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like there's, like, um, the ad money is not as much as it used to be. I, uh, I'm not, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, it definitely was growing when I was doing it, and there was mm-hmm. more, you know, we were getting deals, like, I think we got a million-dollar deal one time, and that was, like, a kind of huge, like, oh, my God, a million dollars, mm-hmm. you know? Um but I think there was, I mean, if you really want to get deep into the online ad business, I, <laughs> I have some very strong thoughts about it. Basically, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. From top to bottom, everyone is just pretending everything's working great and it's right. not, you know? Which I'm sure is how the ad business runs everywhere. <laughs> where it's like, everyone loved the campaign. People are going crazy for this campaign we did. Meanwhile, no one cares about it. I mean, really, all advertising is is just like showing you a logo enough times and eventually you just kind of go, I'm familiar with that thing and I think I'll buy it, you know, which is all it needs to be. But it supports this massive, massive like ecosystem of people. So many people rely on it for their livelihood that uh, everyone's kind of incentivized to keep it going you know which is yeah. which i guess is fine in the end yeah it's great because like the whole entertainment industry is basically uh runs off ads pretty much yeah i mean the way it works is like you own a comp you own coca-cola right you hire a, a company and say and you give them money and you say we want to advertise and we want to get this this target demo and then your company goes to content companies and says what can you give us? Content company says, we'll give you this. You go, great, here's some money. The content company makes it. If there's not enough people watching it, they buy the traffic to watch it. We tell you it went great. You tell the client it went great. But everyone knows it didn't go great. But it doesn't matter. Right. Because huh. at the end of the day, people still buying Coca-Cola, you know? Because right. people like it. Because it's a good soda. <laughs> it's like the best soda, so... You know, it's all good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that well, you can just tell from my voice and tone that I had done too much of that <laughs> for a, too long a time. Um, it, it if it is if advertisers just aren't coming through anymore, that's a shame because you know they, that was supporting as much as we didn't like doing branded stuff. Um, and as much as awful as a lot of it is because that middleman uh, would almost always ruin it like we never dealt directly with a company you, know, you don't deal with Coca-Cola you deal with some buying agency and the buyer's terrified that Coca-Cola is not going to like what they bought that what you made so like they're always like no make it worse make it more of an ad more of an ad you know which is not what anyone wants mm-hmm. um but then they can at least go to Coca-Cola and go, look, look at all that. Uh, I mean, that money let us do fun stuff, you know? So it was kind of just like a necessary evil. Um, otherwise, I don't know how you make content unless someone's going to pay for it up front. But who's going to pay b- blind for content? Right. You know? 
Uh, so you left College Humor, and you, you didn't have uh, any gig lined up afterwards? So like, Yeah, I had nada. I had nothing going on. Um, and then my old boss at College Humor, very coolly... I mean, again, I didn't leave on bad terms or anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'd reached the end of my time there, and that was fine. Uh, uh, my old boss, Ricky, set me up with uh, these guys, Lee and Gene, who were showrunners in L.A. They had worked on The Office, and... Uh, a bunch of other stuff and they were working on this show for ABC um, and they they hired me to come in and write for like 12 episodes maybe it was called Trophy Wife sadly got cancelled it was a good show it was good I loved it I, I had a great time I was like this is the life you get paid really well <laughs> you work sitcom hours which are not that bad like one time we had to stay there till maybe 10.30 at night and it was like People were furious, and I was like, "What? This isn't that late at all." At college, you you'd have to work like a lot of uh, crazy nights. I mean, you didn't have to, but we just did, you know, because yeah. there was a lot of stuff to get done. Um, like we, you know, work ended at six, but people would just stay there and hang out and like, you know, drink, play ping pong, and stuff. It was because uh, they were your, those were your friends too. Mm-hmm. So it was like, if you work with your friends, you don't want to go home, right? Um, but yeah, I wrote on that show for a while out in LA. Then it didn't get picked up, which did was you, a bummer. Did you have like a, a pilot that you showed them, or no? I had nothing, <laughs> but I knew Lee and Jean a little bit. They had worked in our office for a summer, uh, writing a movie, so they were just kind of around. So I kind of knew them a little bit, and I think they just I got hired on a recommendation. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I sent them something. I, I don't know, but I didn't have like a pilot just ready to go mm-hmm. um a lot i think of most of the business i mean if it's about comedy writing like you know obviously if you have a great pilot that's fantastic but a lot of the business is just who you know and it's not like that's the only thing it's not like people are getting hired just because they know someone but so many people do want to do this for a living that just having someone go, oh yeah, I know, like I know that guy. He's cool. He's funny. That like puts you ahead. You know, that'll at least get your thing read. It'll give you. It'll get you considered in a way that you know, just blindly submitting. That's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, you you really need to just be exceptional to stand out right. that way. Um, and for that reason, I'm like glad that I did stand up for so long and just met so many people and worked with a ton of people at college humor. And it was like, Oh, that's good. You know, you make this kind of informal network of friends and they go off into the world and do things. And then you hire each other, you hire your friends or you, you know, you hear about someone going like, Oh, you know, I'm like staffing up this room. Um, you know, do you know anyone? And you're like, oh yeah, I know this like this girl or this guy or whatever. That's it, I feel like that's a there's a lot of attention paid to like get that pilot perfect. You know, get get your get your submission material perfect, and you should. But you should also be not just sitting in your room alone. Right. You know, crafting your genius spec or whatever. You should be out there, kind of meeting people who are already doing what you want to do. And they'll help you out. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I kind of like because there's a lot of I mean there's like some comedy writers who don't like do like any performance or stuff or don't do like uh, stand up or improv or sketch or anything. 
And I wonder like how they how they like, get started, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe um, maybe they're just fantastically talented and, yeah. and they have undeniable talent and they're definitely those people. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I uh, I need to I need to make friends to help me. <laughs> I need my friends. Uh, so uh, after Trophy Wife, uh, are you still like living in LA? I was only there. I was smart enough to go, you know, first season show, don't always come back. And even if they do, you know, a writer who got brought in on a back order to to punch up the comedy isn't maybe a necessary keep. So um, I never moved there. My wife was still here. And uh, so I just came back to New York and waited to hear about the show. And then when it didn't get picked up, it was uh, it was um, rough. I had a consulting deal with like I worked for MTV for a little bit as a consultant, which was fun and they were very cool and um, I had like a good time just hanging out there. But you know MTV is like another place where it's a very uh, it's it's very big machine and it's hard to like get things done you know and I was just so used to being light on my feet at College Humor where it was like oh we want to do this okay cool you should we all do it let's do it and then we do it you know it was very like immediate um and I wasn't quite used to kind of waiting like a month to hear back on ideas and stuff and and so I knew that I couldn't stick it out there forever um and then that's when SNL came along, which was just like a godsend. I was like, oh my God, I get to stay in New York, get to work in my dream job with one of my best friends. Like, this is, it's great. Did you get uh, SNL through, uh, through Sarah? Sarah and Kate uh, McKinnon both recommended me. I still, you know, I've still submitted. I had submitted three times or four times maybe before then um, with nothing (laughs) no uh just never heard back about it which is kind of how it goes there um after like a few months you just go i don't think i'm getting this job (laughs) because uh i wrote that packet and gave it to him and i didn't i didn't hear anything back at all um but this time uh i did hear back went in interviewed i mean neither sarah nor kate was in a position to just give me a job right, like right, you right. still have to kind of go through the process and i remember seeing some other people i knew who kind of were there interviewing when i was interviewing and i was like oh no i know these, these people are very funny <laughs> and they know the same people i do so um but yeah got it what was your uh was each year was your packet different yeah 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 and uh i mean did you feel more confident in like each subsequent packet or I guess I would pick up a little feedback. I mean, knowing Sarah was great because she would, she wouldn't like help me with my packet, but she would more kind of say like, you know, keep it short. You you know, it should be like your sketch should be this long or whatever. Um, Or like, you know, I could throw an idea at her and she'd be like, "Mm, not that. Uh, But I guess they got better. You know, as as you do, if you keep doing something, you're just going to get better at it. Um, I still don't think anything in any of those packets was that great. <laughs> like, I don't know that I'd put any of it up now. Maybe one or two ideas mm-hmm. would have to be rewritten pretty heavily, but... 
Were you interviewed by uh, the head writer? Yeah, there was, th- there was uh, three head writers at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Tucker and Colin Jost and Rob Klein. And then uh, one of the producers, Eric Kenward. So I kind of did two, kind of like two interviews with, with those guys. And it was very like just kind of get to know you type interview. Yeah. It wasn't like who are your influences or, you know, it was just kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like, so what's up, man? And I, I kind of knew Colin a little bit. We had done some stand up, um, and same with, uh, Brian Tucker. I kind of knew him from stand up too. Um, and that was fun. And then I had, and then I interviewed with Lauren like a week later, maybe I think, mm-hmm. which was terrifying. Right. I mean, so scary. And I brought, like, I remember reading all these things that were like, if you have an interview with Lauren, you wait, like, four hours. So I brought, like, all these books and stuff. I had, like, set up, because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be waiting forever. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to bring books. And I was, like, totally set up on this couch. And I remember Rob Klein walking by. I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just waiting for to interview with Lawrence, so I brought a book and he just laughed at me <laughs> and I got called in like right away <laughs> I didn't get to read my book um, but it was a weird scary interview where we just mostly talked about baseball wow and then uh, I left and was like well I don't know I don't know how that went <laughs> right because we didn't talk about really comedy at all we didn't you know we just kind of talked about the Mets and the Yankees for a while and then he left to go to a Yankees game (laughs) and then but then later that night I got a call that I had Mm -hmm. like yes he liked the way I talked about baseball well isn't the isn't the thing that if you're getting like called in to interview with Lauren you have to like really fuck it up for it to not I don't know I I, I have no idea I mean I'm sure Lauren is definitely the last line of defense right. where it's like to make sure someone's not a weirdo. Cause so much of what makes so much of that job is just being able to be around people for a long, long stretches of time mm-hmm. and not kill each other, you know? So it's like you, it's such a, a big piece of it is like, can you hang out with people for 18 hours straight? can you deal with hanging out with people for 18 hours straight, you know? Um, so I'm sure that part of what he's doing when he interviews people is going like, is this person going to be a social problem within, <laughs> within, within this environment, you know, as opposed to like, how funny is this person? Right. You know, how, how was that uh, first year for you? It was, uh, it was scary. It was, thrilling i mean it was just like i never really dealt with that level of pressure because at college humor there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of eyes on the site but it was like it was pressure we put on ourselves you know like we made this thing we had created it so we were kind of in charge of its destiny you know so and and we were just making it up as we went along anyway so it was almost like we couldn't mess up because it was such a new field too. Like no, there wasn't like established internet comedy things. So it was kind of like, oh, we're all just making this up. And so we're we're kind of allowed to make mistakes and try things out and fail and stuff. 
But SNL, you're stepping into this iconic show that someone else created, someone else who's probably a hero of yours, and it's your job not to fuck it up. Uh, and it's it's just like there's no job that prepares you for it either. Like it's so unique in that it's a live sketch TV show. You know, so you're writing for a live audience, but you're also writing for a TV audience, and it's a national. So it's like you can't. You can't just like, you know, with stand-up, if you're in wherever, Rhode Island, you could tell a bunch of Rhode Island jokes and, and crush and everybody loves it. And you just can't do that on that show because it's playing, you know, everywhere. Um, so it was a lot of, it was a lot to learn and you have to learn it fast. And I had um, my roommate there, my office mate, Mikey Day, was very cool. And he had been there a year before I was there. So he helped me a lot. And then uh, Jeremy Byler, who's another writer who started my year, was very, uh, like, we just kind of clung to each other. <laughs> and we're like, let's just write stuff together and, and we'll just either sink or swim together. So that was, it's good to, like, find someone to desperately hold on to there. <laughs> <laughs> is that, like, uh, is that thing where the new writers kind of uh, gravitate towards each other? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely spent a lot of time with Jeremy Byler and Nick Rutherford, who was also first year of my year, um, Allison Rich and Natasha Rothwell. We were the five new writers, and so we we definitely wrote a lot together and, and kind of would commiserate together and, uh, you know, bitch and moan, uh, bitch and moan in each other's offices and and fret there's a lot of fretting going right. like oh my god did you hear like they're cutting that thing like why why what's going on you don't know anything you know like so there's always a lot of just like conversations taking place without you <laughs> when you're when you're new there and, and you're and they're probably about nothing you know having been in on some of them now it's like mostly about nothing but as a first year writer you're, you're convinced they're talking about how bad you are and how you know because you're just so you've heard the stories about that place and mm-hmm. it just freaks you out right are you like constantly worried that you're gonna like lose your job um i was that year yeah. certainly i mean i still worry about it i i think I, the thing with that place is it, it you know they they do cut people a lot and it's and when they do it's not it's never like um you know, it, it shouldn't, it's not like an indictment of you right, as a right. create. It's just a very unique place. And like, you need a certain kind of mentality and mindset to thrive there. And it's definitely not for everyone. Like, you know, Larry David famously bombed it out there. Who's one of the funniest people ever. They wrote, created like two of the funniest TV shows of all time. So it's just like, there's certain types of people I think that do well in that environment who like that kind of stress and and pressure and then there's certain people who are like no this is terrible and (laughs) and neither one is right or wrong it's Mm -hmm. just like what you prefer how you prefer to work um but like I I don't uh I don't I mean I definitely still worry about getting fired because I have a wife and child to support so like any anyone in the world I'm like well, if I lose that job, that's going to be a problem. I need to, uh, you know, just support my family. Um, but it, it's also like a family there where if you, if you can, if you, 
you know, people look out for each other. And if people are struggling, um, you know, they don't think they would be shy about saying to me like, hey, you know, you got to turn it around because mm-hmm. this is a very coveted job. And if you're not getting it done there, I, you know. And I definitely got a talk like that one time, too, yeah. <laughs> where it was like, you know, you need to crank it up a notch. Uh, it wasn't like a you're getting fired if you don't, but it was like, I don't want you to be on the chopping block when those conversations happen. So just like turn it up it's... and it works. Yeah, I got <laughs> really scared and I was like, oh, my God, I have to I have to be good. It seems like uh, like doing stuff at College Humor probably helped because you have like, that immediate schedule type thing. Like you're like working on something, and then it's going to come out like soon. Yeah, and even but even SNL is even crazier right, yeah. there because there, there's like truly is this mental ticking clock of like, this show's happening Saturday at 11.30. It's happening. You only have so much time. With College Humor, it's like if we missed a video release schedule, it's like, oh, well, whatever. We'll release it the next day. It's not yeah. like <laughs> it's not gonna uh, ruin anything with SNL. It's like if you didn't get your thing done, like forget about it. You're in trouble, right. big time. <laughs> so you go from writing sketches um, that are kind of like evergreen, that kind of like work for like they're kind of just like work forever and whatnot. And SNL is much more about current events. Is that like a difficult thing to start pitching on that? You know, we had started to kind of get a little bit into the current event stuff at, at College Humor mm-hmm. um, towards towards the end of my time there. A little bit. The kind of, like, socially aware comedy was a little... It was a ways off. And I'm glad that I, I wasn't around for it because it's not my forte. And I, mm-hmm. I don't often find it very funny. You know? Like, I don't really like preachy comedy or, like, or like scoldy comedy, maybe. Um, which I, I feel like when I go online and watch like comedy videos, so many of them are just kind of tis- tisking the viewer for their various opinions or like <laughs> things they do in their life. Right. Um, uh, so I'm like, I'm glad I wasn't there for that. Uh, cause I would be the, uh, I would not be good at it. Um, but I, I think like SNL is it is topical and it deals with issues, but um, most of the stuff I've written has has been the more kind of just silly, ever if you want to call it evergreen type stuff. I mean, I've definitely written a lot of topical things, but that wasn't a it never has been my real forte, like. A lot of the political stuff, like I'm good for jokes on it, and um, but a lot of that was handled by uh, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider and Brian Tucker, who who handled a lot of that election stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely like a different way to train your brain, right. and it's been it's gotten honestly harder and harder with like it just seems like I remember writing a cold open a couple seasons ago about Deflate Gate, and that was like the big story. And it was like, (laughs) so we were like, that was the big story of the week. This stupid football deflating thing that and the whole country was talking about it. And now it's like, you know, 
nuclear war and like <laughs> molesters and it's just like all this super heavy stuff um and a lot of it's just like hard to joke about you know a lot of it's just there's not a lot of there's nothing funny about a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and uh so it's hard to find like a light-hearted fun take on right. a mass shooting you know um so i don't know that it, it's definitely a challenge but it's a it's a challenge that uh unfortunately everyone has to rise to right. at the moment i can't wait till we go back to just uh bullshit <laughs> i was talking with with a few people about this the other day just like man i miss bullshit so much i miss just like nonsense in the news just right. just dumb things that you know aren't have no consequences yeah I miss just being like, what's on the news? Nothing? All right. <laughs> well, now the nonsense is like Donald Trump is feuding with like LeVar Ball, which is then like, yeah, the nonsense because then Trump's involved in that. But it's like, then that makes me mad because it's like, why are you reporting that when like this net neutrality thing is happening? Right, you know, yeah. like stop this LeVar Ball nonsense. That truly is nonsense. Shut up about that. There's like real stuff happening. Yeah. Um, it, so it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's not a great time in the country i don't think for anyone it feels like everyone's <laughs> yeah. really angry and upset uh it feels like there's just a lot of like bitterness and and um and like anger and like people wanting to settle scores and, and stuff like that and comedy can really thrive in those moments too when you when you get it right um so i think that's our that's definitely our challenge at that mm-hmm. show is tr- taking a super divided country that seems to hate each other uh, and finding those things that, you know, that talk about the stuff everyone's arguing about, you know, in such a way that both sides can kind of either, if not laugh at it, be like fair shot, like, you know, <laughs> a sketch this year called woke jeans that kind of just poked some light fun at the like woke movement and also at companies trying to like cash in on that, you know? And also the idea that you can kind of make everyone happy. Um, But that one kind of worked in the way that I wanted it to work, where, like, people on the right laughed and people on the left kind of a little bit look in the mirror and go, like, yeah, I guess you can't really please everyone. (laughs) Like, this is kind of silly, you know. Um, But it's like a heightened, you know, it was heightened, so it's not too critical of anyone in particular. Uh because again, I don't, I don't like the idea that like comedy should like, like, hurt people. You know, like I don't. It just feels weird to me when mm-hmm. it's like when it seems like the motive of comedy is to like be like a fuck you to someone or whatever first and then a laugh second, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the stuff I, I kind of like see online sometimes where it's like. It just seems mean, man. I don't know what's funny about Like, I guess it's kind of funny, but it's like, it's just like mean. Just mean. Well, is it, is it crazy doing like SNL during like an election year? Uh, yeah, that was insane. I mean, yeah. that season was nuts. Yeah. It not only was election year, but it was like an election year with like the craziest person who's ever run for president, you know, and um, the craziest, he was doing the just most insane stuff that it was like the level we had to go to heighten his already crazy behavior was just absurd and then he just surrounded himself with insane people as well i mean it was in a way it was like a a godsend for the show it just kind of it was like 
here is this fully formed like <laughs> character have fun and then alec was there stepped right in and did it in an amazing way um and doing all that stuff was a lot of fun even though everyone was very like upset <laughs> that you know he he won um but it was like i guess you got to make the best of it you know that's uh, that's democracy. You, sometimes you gotta lose, and when you lose, you you might as well try to make fun of the winner. <laughs> uh, so you do a lot of sketches with Mikey Day. Was that like a, a quick uh, partnership that you formed? Yeah, we were. Um, we they put us in the you know just kind of randomly put us in the same office. We're office mates, and uh, it took a it took a few shows before we kind of started working together um but once we did it was like it was very apparent that we clicked in in a great way where uh we both thought each other were funny and we both were able to add things to each other's pieces that made them better um and we just like had a great time like i've i've truly never laughed harder in my life than like when we're writing certain things and a lot of them like bomb out at the table and never see the light of the day, but we just have a super fun time writing them. Um, so that was just pure luck that we got put in that office. Whoever made that decision. Thank you. And you guys wrote uh, David S pumpkins. Yeah. With Bobby. Yeah. What was like the, what was the, uh, the genesis of that idea? The genesis is we ended up we were working on a different sketch early in the night, just Mikey and I. We're working on one that eventually we did with Chris Pine, where he's a uh, where Mikey and he are like dancing. It's called um, SWAT Recon. But then we kind of dropped it because Tom Hanks said he couldn't break dance, so we kind of dropped it. <laughs> and then Bobby came in, and Mikey and Bobby were talking about. Um, a ha- like a some kind of haunted like a haunted elevator thing, and then wanted to use that song from that little superstar video or like a song like that, and it, it was just kind of just like a. It took a while to kind of eventually find its final form, um, and you know the version we put up at the table was much different than the one that eventually made it on air. And that thing, it just got better and better each time. Like, the we watched the one from the dress rehearsal a little while ago, and it just, like, wasn't there yet. It just wasn't David Pumpkins yet. Tom, like, hadn't found the voice yet, and, like, it was just a little sloppier and slower. Um, and that, so the one that everyone saw was definitely, like, the peak of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we did it one more time, it would have been even better. You never know. Well, what was it like turning uh, the, like that sketch into like a like a thirty minute uh, special? It was super fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike, Mikey, and I wanted to do that. We wanted to make a kids' cartoon because we're like a, a if we just make a thirty minute version of this sketch, it's not going to be fun because that character is actually super annoying. <laughs> if you if you think about it, you like don't want to hear this dude talking for thirty minutes straight. Um, and also, like, I don't know that Tom Hanks would want to be playing that character for thirty minutes right. straight. So we're like, we notice all these kids like David Pumpkins after this sketch came out. All these like little kids, 
like people were sending like videos and posing videos of their kids like doing the dance and and we're like oh kids are into this silly loud man which makes sense mm-hmm. you know because that's what kids like it's just like goofy crazy people um and so we we just worked on it in the summer and so super fun to like see something animated and then it was on very late at night which uh we knew was going to be a problem we're like people are going to turn this thing on and go what is this because it is a full kids cartoon it is not like an adult cartoon i mean there's if you like the sketch you should like the special because it has the same dna of david pumpkins just being a weirdo and not Mm -hmm giving any information to anyone um but uh you know over the next like day or two we saw like a bunch of kids were watching it with their parents and we're like nice that's what (laughs) that's what we were hoping for because honestly that charlie brown halloween special it's just not that good yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's great for what it was, but it's like fifty years old. Right? There's not there's a not new one. Specials, yeah, I know. There, like, I felt like when I was a kid, there was a bunch. There would be like new yeah. ones all the time, and then I don't know. Maybe they still make them. I don't know. But yeah, we thought David Pumpkins could be the Santa of Halloween, <laughs> and uh, we thought that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, what are your favorite sketches that you've had on air? Oh man, uh, well David Pumpkins, you know, um, uh, Kevin Roberts was a lot of fun. Uh, Space Pants with Peter Dinklage. Uh, Mikey and I wrote um, we wrote one uh, called Live Report last season with Margot Robbie that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did one. I just did one last show that I really adored. That I was like, "Oh, this is so fun!" Mm-hmm. Um, this hockey one with oh, Chance yeah, yeah. the Rapper, that he was so good in. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a t- I, every, you know, not every sketch I wrote I love, but mm-hmm. like a lot of them. Um, but they're just a lot of them were really fun to work on, mm-hmm. and like when the sketch goes well, it's just great. I mean. I think probably still my favorite is uh, Close Encounter with uh, oh, right. where Kate plays the lady who got abducted by the alien. Mm-hmm. That I think that's my favorite one. Yeah. That one was so fun because that one is just watching Kate just destroy, which is, <laughs> which is a delight to just watch a performer just crush people and just take them out one by one. <laughs> it was great. So, uh, what would you like to be doing next? Like, staying on SNL, working there for a while? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. I, I don't have any, um, you know, grand ambition to leave right now. Mm-hmm. I, it's such a fun place. I love the people I work with. It's, it's like, um, we get to do fun stuff every week. It's like just the right amount of stress and pain for me i need a little bit of that in my life i think or else i I, you know you get bored you get complacent it's a place that throws you a lot of curveballs right um and kind of keep you have to just be quick uh and and be able to like adapt which i think is is good so you can't really be too precious about anything you know you can't be like but my joke but my joke was perfect you know like things come along and you just have to 
be like, all right, that's gone, that's gone. Um, and so it fits it fits me pretty well right now. Yeah. I I haven't. Hopefully they feel the same way, <laughs> and they, they don't want me to go anywhere either. But you know, you never know. So um, yeah, that's I I'm I'm pretty happy to keep doing that. I mean, if if other opportunities arise out of that, that would be cool too. Like doing that pumpkins thing with Mikey and Bobby. Like the special was was so fun it was like oh this is like a new thing we can do you know like if we have other ideas like that it's cool to know that um that that's a place that is open to that kind of thing you know they're not they're not just like no we don't do we don't do animated kids cartoon halloween specials (laughs) take take that shit somewhere else you know like lauren was very cool about being like hey yeah if you guys want to give it a shot like I got your back on it and that was so um, I mean that's the kind of environment that I think most creatives want to be in somewhere where like you can take an idea up to your boss and and they don't shut it down you know right away mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah let's see if we can do something like that you know mm-hmm. okay so we're going to wrap up with uh, you giving your thoughts on something I wrote like a headline thing okay yeah, I don't know if you read that part of the email. <laughs> <yeah>. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I end every episode with this. It's America's favorite segment. I gotta do it. Hey, man, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, so these is are... it just like a is it like a daily news pun headline? No, is no, it like no, an no. onion headline. No, well, actually, so this it's like a it can be a sketch or something, a sketch I pitch or whatever. This is from a, a Clickle headlines that I'm working on for a packet. Great. So just you know, you can just say one or it's two. It's kind words. of an onion headline so kind of, in a way. It kind of is, but just one or you know, you know, it's not a big deal. Sure. Uh, no, I'm gonna rip this thing apart. Yeah, no, it'd be great. That's <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, article. This is be an article. Okay. Uh, commendable. The host of this true crime podcast know the killer's guilty, but are trying to get him acquitted anyway. I like it. Okay. I like it. Very in that world. Um, I imagine that'll be coupled with a picture, right? Of a of a very kind of academic looking NPR type mm-hmm. and a clearly crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you want for that? No, that's good. Oh, how much? Uh, like like money wise? Yeah, I'll buy that off you. Um, fifteen dollars. I don't have that. All right. I don't have the cash, man. Right. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, but one for one. All right. What else you got? Uh. This is another article. Uh, whoa, Dan and Yogurt voted most likely likely to succeed. Oh, that's a crazy one. Dan and Yogurt voted most likely to succeed at James Madison High after successful writing campaign by CEO. It's probably too long. <laughs> that one lost me. I don't track that one quite as much. Uh, so this it's basically the CEO did a writing campaign. Right. To make Dan and uh, the CEO of Dan Yogurt did a writing yeah, campaign yeah, to make yeah. it for most likely to succeed for like some random high school, random high school. yearbook. Yeah. You said James Madison. Yeah, isn't that like some sort of famous like TV high school actually? I oh, I I always think so. Maybe that's why I'm I got off on it because I think of that as a that's college to me. Oh, James Madison. James University. Madison University. I Whenever see. I hear that, I think JMU. So maybe I, I maybe switch up that high school name. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> I guess I mean, look. If I had to pick between the two, I like. I think I like the first one a little better. Yeah. All right. Here's the last one. Um. This is all right. 
<laughs> don't it. don't qualify like that. Come know, on, right? you know, sell sell uh, it. Peace at last. MLB brokers a treaty between Red Sox and Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's one that you know, with the right picture, is pretty fun. Yeah. 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 Treaties are fun. I would maybe tag it with like a subheadline that's like you know, the killing. The killing will finally end, or what? You know, so, <laughs> you know, we're whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that one. All right, cool. That's I it. mean, that's almost that's almost in the onion. world of the onion. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, almost. That's almost like an onion sports one. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe for And it, how many packets you got cooking right now? What do you mean, how many packets? I mean, well, you say you do this on every episode, right? Oh, we'll do like something. This is this is for a packet specifically, but for clickle. Yeah, sometimes it's just something. What's their packet requirements? Uh, it's headlines. Uh, are full articles? What? I think it's ten headlines and three articles. I think. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a heavy yeah. packet. Yeah. Well, good luck. Well, thanks. Good luck. I mean, you know, I don't know anyone there, but. <laughs> But if I did, I'd, I'd tell him I have a great joke I bought from this dude for 15 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Hire me. Hire these yeah, guys. hire me because I know that guy and he'll keep writing them for me. Uh, thanks for coming out. Anything you want to plug? Uh, no. Okay. I have nothing to promote. I mean, I guess, you know, watch SNL. Yeah. If you, you know, if, uh, if you like, that'd be cool. All right, man. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks for coming on. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. I want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet tunes, Zachary Glassman for giving us the awesome logo, and Bordock Audio for hosting us. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and like and follow On Comedy Writing on Facebook and Twitter. See you next week. Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.